Are you there, God? It's us, Sid King and Becca Stevenson. Welcome to the Good Girls Gone Sad podcast, where we unpack our childhood drama and try to figure out why we are the way we are. We're here to answer the questions, what made you good and what makes you sad? We're so excited to announce that this is our 50th episode of Good Girls Gone Sad and the final episode in season two. Don't worry, we will be back in a few short weeks with brand new episodes and more awesome guests for season three. In the meantime, we've got some exciting events for you to put on your calendar. Our beloved host, Sid King, will be performing a half hour of comedy on November 6th at Pete's Candy Store in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. She will be joined by our good friend, Claire Alexander, who is also performing a half hour set, and friend of the pod, Vanessa Jackson. I will be there, so make sure you get your tickets. I'll see you there. We are also thrilled to announce that the next Good Girls Gone Sad live show will be back at Caveat on December 18th. Please, please join us for a holiday-themed show in the Lower East Side. As always, we'll have comedy, games, silly songs, awesome performers. Follow us on Instagram for updated ticket information. And last but not least, I want to introduce our guest this week. We are joined by Lisa Linger. She has her master's in mental health counseling. She's a peer bar instructor, dancer in a modern dance company, and founder-director of Mental Health in Motion, a dance company that provides mental health advocacy, awareness, and education through creative means. She's also married to her college sweetheart and dog mom to the grumpiest English bulldog puppy. Please welcome Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. I am thrilled to be here. We're so excited to have you. For the listeners, Lisa and I go way back to um, probably when I was in middle school. Is that when you came to our dance studio? Yeah, I was 13. Okay, so yeah. And you're three years older than me, I think. Yeah. So a long time ago. And then I followed Lisa to Carolina and joined her (laughs) dance company. (laughs) Which is funny you say that because I followed your older sister. That's true. I do her dance company. Yeah, I was telling somebody recently about how I just like went to Carolina and just signed up for the activities that my sister had done. And I was like, that's the way to do a big school. Just have somebody else do it for you first. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Follow them. But yeah, so um, we're really excited to talk to you and hear all about what you've been doing. But we would love to start with your good girl origin story and figure out what made you a good girl. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be so much fun because I feel like a lot of what is going to happen tonight is just going to be a recap of every therapy session that I've ever had. So uh, my good girl origin story, I mean, as they all do, maybe start from when I was probably elementary school. I, I feel like a lot of my character traits as a good girl is very much rooted in this like perfectionistic, overachiever, straight A student. Um, And as I was like thinking about like, where did that start? I have very vivid memories as a like young, young child uh, being told like, wow, Lisa makes our job so easy from like teachers, parents, basically any adult in my life is like, Lisa, you're just, you're such a good, quiet student. You just make our job so easy. So I think I internalized this sense that like my job, my existence as a human being is so that everyone else's job is easier. And so like my worth got so much tied into like people pleasing and figuring out a way to essentially be a chameleon. So I didn't burden anyone. Yes. I relate. (laughs) 
very hard. I think that adapting, I'm so curious. I know you mentioned your Enneagram. I'm so curious to know your Enneagram after this, but I feel like that like adapting your personality so that other people have an easier time is like, seems to be a through line with all of the good girls we talk to. It's like, how do I make sure the teacher thinks I'm a pleasure to have in class? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's funny. So I love the Enneagram so much. And I'm curious if you all have ever done like a poll or something to figure out like what is the most popular Enneagram number amongst your good girl followers? It's funny. I bring it up to people a lot and I feel like only a few people have done it. So okay. we need to do a, like, we need to do an Instagram poll or something and see mm-hmm. what maybe, yeah. oh, on this episode, we can do little polls on each episode on Spotify. So we'll oh, do fun. that here because, well, I'm a three and Sid, I think okay. is also a three. Okay. But were you weighing different ways, right? You weighing the opposite oh, yeah. way of me? I'm three wing two, and I think Sid's three wing four. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's really interesting. I would probably bet, like I'm not an expert at the Enneagram, but I've been following it pretty hard. And my um, my therapist loves the Enneagram, so we like speak in that language a lot. Um, but if I were to guess, I would probably say most like quote unquote good girls are around like a three. I'm actually a one. Um, which I was has a lot ones of the, and like, nines I can yes. see too. Yes. So I have uh, a huge, like, I say I'm a recovering perfectionist. I'm still maybe in the good girl train. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm recovering perfectionist. Um, but a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of my like upbringing, who I became as an adult is all around my own kind of like personal moral code and my values and having unrealistically high expectations for myself um and that comes out as like overachieving a lot of times and like wanting to achieve but it's interesting because I so I also wing too um which is the like I want to make sure that everyone around me feels good and so in the spirit of as a kid I was like how can I make sure that I'm perfect so that everyone else's job is easier like that just screams one wing too it's not that I want to achieve for myself or get like the award for myself it just so happens that like some of those things also came along with just like trying to strive to be the the best that I could be so that everyone else's job was easier like yeah one wing two all the way that That is so so interesting so that's perfectionist with a touch of helper right yeah yeah like strong empathizer so much it's interesting you say that like you did it out of place of like altruism because I feel like I was a perfectionist because I was like I have to be good and perfect because I needed the attention which I think is where the four comes (laughs) um I'm assuming right I'm not super I think there's some three there too yeah yeah okay um I don't exactly know the numbers, but it's interesting how like you can still get to the good girl place and like our origin stories. Everyone's like, oh, it's probably the same as everybody else. But like, no, like everybody has uh, like what brought them there, like mentally what takes them to a good girl place. So um, it's very interesting that you're selfless because I am not, (laughs) I would say. (laughs) I don't know if if selfless is necessarily how I describe myself, Uh, more so just like I don't know. It's it's a little bit of self-preservation in a way, mm. in like a different kind of way than maybe the achiever self-preservation. It's in the way of like, what would be the alternative if I didn't make everyone else's job easier? Like, what kind of shame would happen, or what I don't know. How would people view me then? 
Um, so in a weird kind of way, there is a lot of self-preservation there with this kind of mentality. I mean, thank you for thinking I'm selfless. <laughs> I will take that. <laughs> so do you like the attention that came with like being a perfectionist though? Because you, I feel like it happens either way. Yeah, it depended on what it was. I mean, so Becca and I both grew up um, dancing. And so mm. I didn't like attention in class. I like really did not want to be the person that was like called on to demonstrate anything, but I love to perform. And I felt like maybe it was because I felt like I could control the performance and not like everyone else is in a dark audience. So I, I, the whole element of receiving that kind of feedback or validation of if people are enjoying this or not was kind of taken out of it. And I felt like performing, I could just be who I was. Um, but in class, when I could, or when I could like see people's faces or get some kind of feedback, I would like shy away from that. So I'm like, but what if I'm not good enough? Like, what if, I don't know, someone is not enjoying this? Like that feels harder than just like striving for perfection and kind of controlling the narrative of maybe how they see me. That's so funny because I was the opposite. I was like, I really want somebody to comment on like, my turnout looks good or like whatever it is, like nice lines. All I want, I one of our teachers said, I would say sort of withholds compliments and not in a mean way, but like, it's just how she is. She's not like super effusive. And so when she does compliment you, it's like, wow, <laughs> I've made it. So I feel like I was constantly striving for like, somebody to tell me I'm doing a good job and yeah. the performance was like so stressful because it's suddenly like all of that coming to a head and everybody seeing if I'm going to do a good job or like fall flat <laughs> on my face which of course yeah. I wasn't going to do but <laughs> being on point people fall on their face that's true I did actually in like second grade whenever we did Beauty and the Beast when I was like really little I did fall on my face <laughs> and I, I was like that. yeah I was like skipping out and fell flat on my face and it was like um like I was by myself on stage, <laughs> one, one person skipping down and I fell and then it was fine. So you would think that I'd be like, okay, well, I survived that fall. I'll mm -hmm. be good forever, but that's not how I work. <laughs> no, then you were like, I've fallen on my face. It will happen again. Mm -hmm. That's scary. And yet yeah. you did it for how many more years? <laughs> so many. <laughs> yeah, I I do think that like the dance, we've talked to a couple of people who have dance backgrounds. We've talked to a lot of people with musical theater backgrounds and it seems to be similar. But I feel like ballet in particular is so precision based that I, I'm sure something like gymnastics or like figure skating is probably in the same realm of you're trying to achieve an impossible standard in terms of your body and, you know, like your natural abilities and all of those kinds of things. But then also like it feels very objective where you can just do it right. And it's not objective. <laughs> it's an art, but yeah. it feels like it's like a thing that you can hit and you can perfect even though it's impossible, which I think is why perfectionists are drawn to it, but also it makes it hard for those of us who want to be perfect all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, totally relate to that. I mean, I feel like with ballet, there are quote unquote rules. And I feel like what's a good girl, if not someone who loves a rule. <laughs> we love rules. <laughs> we love rules. You put us in an improv class and then it's like the scariest thing ever. <laughs> Panic. Panic. <laughs> yep. Oh, you mean like dance improv? Dance yeah. improv, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. but comedy improv, Sid knows I don't even touch with a ten foot pole or whatever. Mm. The, the See, what's funny is. is I loved dance improv. So I grew up a competitive dancer ish. I like really gave it up, tried cheerleading, and then I was like, but I can sing and dance at the same time. Sounds cool. Um, so I did like a lot of musical theater, 
but there was lyrical improv was a category and they would just put on a song like someone else's competition tape because it was back when there was only cassette tapes and they'd put on someone else's cassette tape and I would absolutely annihilate the competition. I would win every year because I would watch everybody else and I would copy all their moves and I would like knew who won. I mean, this is like, I was like eight maybe. So it was like not, I wasn't like that smart, but um, that was my favorite. When I go to improv and I was like, it was very much like, look at me. I didn't, I like sometimes would get to competition and just make up new choreography because I was bored with the choreography that I had been taught, which is like, are you panicking? A little bit. Are you, are you panicking, Lisa? <laughs> yeah, that makes me sweat a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> even, even just the like before you start a combination when you know you have like an eight count of improv, like that would stress me out. It's like, what do I do with my body if it's not the moves that were taught to me? Yeah, even in even in college, like going out dancing or whatever. Like my go-to thing was to watch what someone else was doing and copy their move. Mm-hmm. I was like, someone give me a rule. Like I can copy a dance move. Yeah. But I cannot come up with it myself. I've gotten a lot better now that I like own a dance company and like have more tools. But yeah, for the longest time, it was just like the scariest thing. So yeah. So tell us a little bit about your dance company and how you got to where you are now. Yeah. So dance company is called Mental Health in Motion. Um, after college, I went on to uh, get a degree in mental health counseling. So pivoted hardcore away from dance and away from that world altogether. Um, and I served as a mental health counselor in like a variety of different places. I was in a, um, a cancer hospital, a career center, um, an inpatient um, uh, mental health hospital. And then I finally landed in a foster care system um, working as a counselor there. Uh, and working in all these different systems uh, as a perfectionist who is really trying to like better the world around her was very difficult because so many of these systems are just broken. Like it is impossible to fix these systems as like one person. Um, So needless to say, I got a bit burnt out from that. So when my husband and I moved here to, um, to Virginia, it was a good opportunity for me to rethink what I want to do with mental health. Uh, And I missed dance. I was like longing for it. I mean, it was such a huge part of my lives for so long. Uh, I really, really needed movement back in my life. Um, and so started taking some dance classes and then really it was like a such happenstance. Um, met a few people who were interested in having a dancer choreograph about um, the symbolism of doorways and how it represents change. And I was looking for more opportunities to choreograph and also to dance again in a way that had something to do with mental health. And so both of those things sort of happened at the same time. Um, and it kind of came together to work out that I could start very, in a very small way, a dance company with like five people. We called it Mental Health in Motion. Um, and it's grown. So we, that was what, that was in 2018. So several years ago, it's grown to about um 10 to 12 dancers. I now this year have an assistant artistic director. Uh, we've been able to perform at like hospitals and universities. But in a nutshell, like what we do is mental health education, advocacy, and awareness through creative means. That's awesome. Uh, I've loved watching the journey over the past few years on social media. So um, it has been a journey for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's it's not something that I set out to do. I didn't want to own a business. I didn't really want to start a dance company. I just wanted to like utilize what I all the knowledge that I'd 
gotten from working as a mental health counselor and put it into some sort of, sort of artistic um, fashion. And then again, both of those things sort of happened at the same time in 2018 where the right people were looking for the right thing that I wanted to do. And it just clicked and happened. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. No, that's, that's so lovely. That's like, that's so like, that's like so serendipitous and lovely. Um, yeah. If there's anything else you would like to add to your good girl origin story, because I feel like maybe being a mental health counselor made you a little sad <laughs> if you wanted to transition. <laughs> I mean, you don't know the half of it. <laughs> yeah, I um, I think that's a perfect segue. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of being a mental health counselor, seeing these different systems and how they were designed to help people, but really are just so broken. Um, I think that is when <laughs> the switch kind of flipped for me and just started feeling like, I can't, I can't control these things like I want to control. I mean, imagine growing up in the space of my job, my existence, you know, deep down, of course, I'm not like, like, consciously aware of these things, but on the subconscious, unconscious level, believing that my job and my existence is surrounded by how can I make everyone else like feel better and feel like their job is easier and their life is easier and you enter into the space as a mental health counselor and into a system that is so complex and you're like wow literally nothing I do is causing is gonna like affect things for the better like that's hard it was like the first time in my in my life where I felt like I was the harder that I worked it was like an inverse relationship the harder I worked like the worse things got of course that wasn't like my fault it's taken years of therapy to like get to that point. Cause you know, if I believe as a young kid that I have an ability to like affect other people for the positive, then the flip of that is like my biggest fear, like I said before, that I could affect things for the negative. And so it's taken a lot of, a lot of good therapy to recognize that that's, I don't have that much power and that's a good thing, <laughs> but it also makes me sad because the world is broken and I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Sid and I have talked a lot about like kind of the God complex of being a good girl where you're like, you think you have so much power to change things. And I don't know. I just think back, especially when I was younger, like thinking about what I wanted to do in the world and like how much power you think you're going to have over things that are happening. And then you get to be an adult and you're like, oh, really? One person can't do that much. And it's really disheartening. (laughs) Um. So I can imagine, especially being in the mental health space, being like, I just want to help people. And then it's like, well, one person can certainly help people, but you mm -hmm. can't like overhaul the system and make everything better. Yeah, exactly. And I think like because good girls are told that they're so special, um, (laughs) we kind of get like more opportunities afforded to us because we are the special ones. And then like sometimes it feels like a failure when you like – because. I don't know. Not, I'm not saying you failed, but like you went into that space with like the best of intentions. You were set up to do this thing. That's like your whole, yeah, I'm dealing with that right now. <laughs> like what I want to do with my life Um, after like my whole goal was to move to New York City and now I'm here and I'm like, well, okay, yeah. sure. But um, I think, yeah, just like being told you're special and then like feeling obligated to continue to be special forever. Mm-hmm. It's like really stressful and impossible. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of a, of a both and too. Cause I, I definitely believe like every single person has 
a lens and a perspective and um, their voice is needed in the world in some kind of way. Uh, but I think where, where like the God complex comes in is like, we think we have so much power and so much control and we, we don't, and that can be so disheartening, but it doesn't mean we don't have influence in a much smaller way. And so I think that's a little bit of my, like taking back some of that, some of what I feel like I lost and what made me sad or makes me sad still as an adult and putting it into something that I feel like is a little bit more within my grasp of, of influence. And that kind of is mental health in motion. So I was like, okay, I can't, I can't overhaul the system. I can't do everything. What can I have influence over? Like what other strengths or skills do I have? Um, does that already exist in the world? If not, like, are there other people at least who agree with me and maybe we can come to the table together and create something that even if it just influences like my tiny little community here. And I, I always think like, do it for the one, do it for the one. And like, there's a huge part of my brain that wants to do it for like the world and like change the world. But like we said, that's not realistic. Um, so yeah, being able to invite other people in who have a similar vision and, and be able to have some kind of positive influence, even in a small way, like I'm learning to be okay with that and to be okay with like, the missteps or be okay with like as hard as I work to make sure everyone feels good you know around me I just want everyone to feel good that that may not be the case and that doesn't have anything to do with me like I can't control everything that's going on in their lives um and so yes I have been through a lot of therapy <laughs> to get to um, that point but I yeah also, I'm curious how like being a good girl and being a business owner, like how do you think that's kind of because I'm I feel like that would trigger every good girl tendency in my body if I owned a business and I never want to own a business. Yeah, Sid, ask me in a month. <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's maybe that that's not maybe it is currently what I'm like processing through uh in in my own therapy. It's just like how I feel like there's a lot of pressure. Um as a leader, because there, there's a power dynamic when you're a business owner, when you're a leader, like there's a power dynamic that exists. You have a new kind of privilege, a new kind of influence. Um, and so, yeah, as a good girl, I mean, there's so many things going on inside of my head all of the time, like the mental gymnastics of like, I've got to make sure like the culture that I'm creating around me is one that, you know, is fill in the blank, honorable, that is respectful of everyone, like all the things that are good things. Um, but sometimes like my brain can go into this like anxiety ridden overhaul of like trying to control the scenario um, so much that it may be that people around me do feel good, but it's to like my detriment because I've literally done a hundred million different, I've gone through a hundred million different scenarios in my head of what could happen here and tried to troubleshoot every single one of them and like that's an exhausting place to live in your head and like I said at the end of the day one of the hard lessons of life that I seem to be learning over and over and over again I think we all do at some point um is just that bad things sad things hard things are still going to happen and we are whole human beings and we're not perfect and so like we're gonna mess up we're going to piss someone off. Like we're going to hurt someone, 
even with the best intentions. And so not necessarily like being okay with that in a complacent way, but just like knowing that that's going to happen, that and that's part of the process. Um, and I think just like knowing, okay, if that does happen, when that does happen, I also know myself and know that like I can be humble enough to like apologize for it, to want to learn from it. So at the end of the day, like I, I do want a culture that is like safe for everyone, especially like people who are working with me, alongside me, in the dance company, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, the pressure is real. It is, it is a hard thing to live in this head sometimes. It sounds like, Sid, that's one of the things that you were contemplating too. Yeah. And yeah, like, I, I feel like, especially in the dance world, it's like kind of a known toxic place. So you have like that extra pressure, not to give you extra pressure, but I'm sure you've thought <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one, I sure. think so many people who grew up dancing have all sorts of different things that they need to unpack. So we've yeah. talked about Sid, Sid as a good friend who's a professional dancer and we had her on the podcast and we're talking to her about like getting, because my thing is like, I have a hard time like going to a class and then just enjoying it and like just feeling it in my body and feeling good and not being like, well, this girl in front of me has better feet than me. And this other person, it can do turns and I can't do turns anymore. And like all of the, that, like comparison just jumps back into my head and I can't just enjoy the movement. So I think that for me, like, I think that's really cool to watch you build this company out of like finding joy in movement versus like that kind of pressure side that often comes with dance. Yes. I also wonder, I'm curious to hear from both of you a little bit about this. I wonder if you've noticed um, a difference in the culture living in New York City when it comes to that. Yeah, I think definitely. I mean, I think everything is more competitive in New York. So it feels like I think it's just a lot of people with kind of similar mentalities coming together and being more competitive. But I do also think like from, you know, I went to a ballet class when I first moved to New York at Steps on Broadway and there were, or no, at Broadway Dance Center. It doesn't matter. But, and I like was in this class that was supposed to be beginner and all these people were warming up for their advanced class after. So everyone in the class was like really awesome. And I was like, okay, so you can't even take a beginner dance class and just feel like you're, you know, getting back to your roots. Like I can't touch my toes and I'm with these people who are like professional dancers training to go to their advanced class. So I do think yeah. there's an element of that, but then also I just feel like everybody here, there's kind of like a make it or break it kind of mentality because you're spending a lot of money to be here and it almost feels like if it's not worth it then like you should leave and mm -hmm. so I think I think I've gotten better about it over the years of like not feeling like I have to do everything all the time and like live New York to the fullest but it's definitely been like a journey to kind of be like I live here and this is a place that I love and I like to walk around and you know the park is nice and all those kinds of things versus like, well, if I'm going to live in New York, I need to be successful and I need to do X, Y, Z. I think it's just like everybody kind of has that mentality of achievement. So it can be hard. Yeah. No, I mean, I make fun of people if they don't, if they like sit in their apartments all day, I'm like, what are you paying rent for? Which is not nice and not good, but I, I do it to myself because I'm like, yeah, I, I tell myself that all the time. 
Um, but there are things like I want to be doing. Like I don't really have a like I am a very social person, so that's like living here just like really suits my lifestyle. Um, I like living in a small space. <laughs> I like like I like New York just like really suits me in that way. I don't know how to drive, but New York has like knocked a lot of it's either it's like either intensified some good girl tendencies or knocked them like I'm never gonna be the best and like I'm just okay with that. Like I have like medium ambitions, but things that like feel real because I'm here. Um, but same story as Becca. I went to a tap class and it was beginner and someone came in wearing a he was a, he was Mr. Mistopolis on tour. And he like, everybody has to give a fun fact, like before you we do our pullback line, of course. And um, he was like, I just got back from the European tour of cats. And he's wearing a Mr. Mistopheles jacket. And I was like, I went to work at Cole's department stores today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The reason why I asked, I feel like it is important to like put your situation like in context of the culture around you and where you live. Because um, I bet you like, either one of you, if you were to be in my tiny little city down here in Virginia, which is like kill it in a top class and a ballet class. Um, <laughs> I will say like, I kind of had the luxury of like when I first stepped back into dance, I took a, a five year, five and a half year hiatus from dance before I was like, let me go back in. Of course there was imposter syndrome, but I kind of had the luxury of my first dance class back. Um, I was the only student to sign up. So it was just me and the teacher for better or worse. I mean, I was terrified. I was like very much intimidated um, by her, but I feel like the comparison aspect was completely removed. Um, and so, you know, and she didn't know who I was. And so we started going and I was like, my muscles can't do anything anymore. <laughs> I have no more dance muscle left in my body. Um, but she was like, okay, but I know that you like, you understand the language of like the words that I'm saying. And like, there is technique because we were drilled with technique, um, back in our, back in our day, uh, back in high school. So I think that was a, that was a little bit of a weird, like confidence boost to just be like, well, I don't have anyone else to compare to here. If I entered into a huge class of people, I probably would have not gone back, but I was like, I guess I just get private classes now all summer long so that was kind of nice um and yeah no one else is really like doing this here and so I think if I tried to go to New York and like do everything that I'm doing it I think it would be maybe too much for me um uh but again that's not to say that like yeah it's not to say that like I really believe everyone has like a voice and a skill and a strength um and so go for it Good for you for taking that top class. Good for you for taking that ballet class. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks. How are you, Lisa? How are you with rest? Like, are you good about having downtime? Um, yes and no. I like to say that I ping pong back and forth between anxiously avoiding work <laughs> and anxiously just pouring all of my time and energy into it. So sometimes my anxious avoidance of work stuff looks like I'm resting really well, but really in my head, like my head is not resting. Um, I will say I've gotten better over the years. We also have, Becca and I have, um, have a lot of the Carolina way ingrained into us as well at UNC Chapel Hill. Uh, so I don't know if this is like something similar that you've, you've experienced, but like the Carolina way was just like pounded into us and it was basically this notion that like as a student here at UNC Chapel Hill 
um, it is kind of expected that you're going to fight and claw your way to figure out what it is that you need to figure out. And that means like overworking and overachieving. Like I don't feel like, I mean, shout out UNC. They did a lot of really good things. However, I don't really feel like as students, we were necessarily supported and guided. It was like up to us to figure out what we needed to do with our lives, how to get there, uh, what classes we needed to take, what major we needed to take. And then even in a lot of classes, I was a biology and psychology major, even in a lot of the classes, like the professors were like, I don't hold, at least some of the ones that I had, it was, they were like, I don't hold office hours. So I don't know how to answer questions. Like you can learn this on your own. And I was like, you're paying a lot of money for and me like to just like learn 300 person classes for biology yeah. and psychology, especially. And yet the expectation is that everyone is going to rise up and be mm. like great, not just like good and like average, but like you got to excel. And so there's a lot of that that I think is embedded. I don't know how it shows up in your life, but a lot of that's embedded in, in me as well. And so for the longest time, I was like, I was terrible at resting. I remember telling a, a mentor once, like what my schedule was and like what my activities, I was in three, um, dance groups. Yep. And so many other things. I remember telling her that my mentor that like, this was my schedule for the week. And I was like laughing off that I didn't know when I was going to get any sleep. Um, and she was like, she was like not laughing. Like she looked at me dead in the eyes and was like, I don't, I don't understand what's funny about this. Like it is important that you take care of yourself. And it was the first time that anyone had any kind of like negative feedback on that. I like, know what you're doing actually isn't the end all be all and like what you should be focusing on it is way more important that you're a human being first rather than a human doing and you need to rest and I was like well that's life-changing <laughs> look at that concept <laughs> yeah I also human think being versus human doing yeah that's a really good phrase I love that it's a really great phrase mm. Yeah, that's that's so <laughs> that really resonates with me very hard. I'm like staring off into space thinking about it. But I I think too, like coming from the dance studio, and I mean you had to travel to get to the dance studio. So that was even like more of your day. But I feel like so Sid, like we would spend hours a night at the dance studio and then like oftentimes the entire weekend when it was like nutcracker time and things like that. And so you would like do your homework at the studio. You like anything you needed to get done, you did at the studio. And I feel like there was this sense of like this being a dancer in this type of environment teaches you discipline and how to juggle really busy schedules and all those things. But like it doesn't because somebody else is you know, it's like you're just trying to like keep up with everything that you're doing and you're stuck in this place. So you're doing all the things you have to do. But I was never self-motivated. Like I was still following all the things that I was supposed to be doing. So getting to college and being like, I don't know what to do with myself if I'm not busy all the time. Like, how am I supposed to do my homework if I don't have class in 15 minutes and I have to finish my calculus homework in or before I go to class? Like, I don't know. I think it was almost harder for me to go from being like so overscheduled to like you have to do your own schedule and then I it's I definitely go through these waves of like filling up my schedule to the point where I'm really overwhelmed and then I have to kind of like bail on things and then I feel bad that I bail on things but it's just like I reach a tipping point that I didn't recognize I had when I was younger I think 
Yeah, for sure. Yes. I, yeah. I honestly felt everything that you just said. Um, I think in high school, that's when I can pinpoint a lot of the like bad habits of like all nighters and drinking lattes at 10 PM. Like no high schooler needs to be doing that, <laughs> honestly. And that's, yeah, that's where it started because so much of, of our time was, was eaten up. And I definitely see how that carried over into college. Um, you asked about, about now I'll say some of the, like the, the things that I've learned about like resting now and finding balance now is that, um, like rest is not something that we need to earn. Like it's something that should just be automatic. Like it, it should just be like a part of our our rhythm of our week. And sometimes that feels even more stressful because it's like, but here's everything that I have to do. How in the world am I supposed to like fit rest into that? Um, and so I've kind of learned that like, if I say yes to anything else in the past, it used to be that that yes of like filling up my time more would replace my own personal rest time. But now I'm like that. Yes. If I add any other thing, it has to, it, it has to be in the replacement of like something else that I said yes to. And if I said yes to something else that like really matters, then like, I don't want to bail on that. So it, it's just like a, it's just like a reframing of how my time is allocated. So I find that I say no to a lot more things that I used to, that I would probably normally say yes to maybe like 10 years ago, just because I'm like, well, I can't, I have a hard boundary around like, I can't let it replace my rest time because that's a given we need we need that everybody needs that um yeah so it's better I mean it's a work in progress but it's hard to break and unlearn some of the things that have just like been so ingrained in us yeah I have talked to my therapist about this because I'll say like I wasn't doing anything productive. And she's like, you were doing something productive. You were resting. That is productive. Like you can't operate at full functionality if you're not resting. So stop thinking about it that way. And I mean, I think Sid asking you about like owning a company, I feel like we have, you know, this little side hustle and we plan shows and like try to do other things on on the side of our real jobs and it makes it so that you can never fully like turn your brain off because there's always something you can be doing and I really struggle with that to be like okay if I'm watching tv like I need to just watch tv I don't need to also be like oh oh I need to text it about scheduling so and so and oh I need to like write a game for this and it's just like so hard to turn that off and just be like I'm just gonna read a book do nothing else just gonna sit here and read yeah I I definitely am in the same way I have like a running um like notepad on my phone of just like it's like always there so if I'm in that space of like all right I'm just watching this tv show or I'm just reading or whatever like this is what this time is for my brain's still going I'm like no right now is not the time for that but I'm always afraid that I'm gonna forget the thing and like not do it and um, you know, bail on some of my obligations. And so I, I'll just like jot it down in my notepad and just be like, okay, that is now, I'm not going to forget. Like that is now for later. I can just focus my mind on whatever I'm doing right now. That's like restful or rejuvenating or whatever. I love that. Well, hey, well thank was... you so much for sharing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> this is cathartic for all of us. I think. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, basically a therapy session. There are so many, um, 
episodes that I listened to and I was just like taking notes in the way of like, I just want to make sure I like I'm applying these things to my life because there's just so much good wisdom and like got to talk about this in therapy next time that I heard on good girls gone sad. So <laughs> you're really helping the world, you know, <laughs> I love that, that every so oh, often we'll you. get. Yeah, every so often we'll get a DM from somebody being like, I just relate so hard to your podcast. Like, thank you for what you're doing. And Sid and I are like, this, this is what we're doing it for. Like one person to just be like, wow, this is meaningful to me. That's exactly what you said. Like trying to just do it for the one person. Yeah. All right. Well, we would love to know if you have an entry into the good girl glossary, which is the definitive list of people, places, and things that make up a good girl. Yeah, I, um, okay, so I thought about like what probably hits the most for me. Uh, and I'm, I'm toying between two. So we'll see what you can what enter multiple. It. Oh, amazing. Okay. We once uh, had somebody enter like 15 and we were no. like, you know, you can stop at any point. <laughs> you don't have to keep going. <laughs> he like didn't risk. even realize it was happening. It was so funny. He's like, and by the way, this other thing, this other thing, this other thing. And we're like, okay, yeah, you can come back anytime you want. <laughs> At the risk of uh, sounding like such an overachiever that I've already admitted that I am, I really have more than two, but two felt, you know, <laughs> two felt very solid in my soul. So I'll just say all of them and I'll let you guys decide what, what you want to keep. Um, so one of them that I feel like was such an epitome of maybe the millennial, like back when we were in high school, maybe middle school um it's all of the like lyrics or like the fun like little phrases motivational like quotes and stuff that you would see on like instant messenger or like a Facebook status change or something like that I don't know but one of the ones that I remember um was like wear cute pajamas because you'll never know who you meet in your dreams and I just remember being like yes that's so true and so I'd make sure that like every night I was wearing like a matching set of cute pajamas that's so good going to like sleepovers and stuff I was like okay I'm not alone like everyone's in their like little cute pajama sets and stuff um so that was one that felt very true and real to my heart Uh, another one though, is like every summer after school let out, like, you know, long semester of school. Are we done yet from there? No, we're not. We're not done yet. We've got to create a summer goals list for ourselves, whether that's a reading list or crafts that I wanted to complete. Or, um, I think my favorite was that I would like journal. Gosh, it's so embarrassing. I have immediate regrets after saying this. (laughs) journaling like how I wanted to better myself that summer like who I wanted to be by the next like grade level I know so sweet right um yeah so some summer some summer goal lists I feel like that was a really big one those are both excellent they're really good also I remember the pajamas quote and I I had a quote book when I was younger the pajama set like I was, I've always had bad sleep hygiene. So if I were, if I went to sleepover, I had to like beg my mom to get me like a pajama set or something. I was like, I have to look cute at the sleepover. I love that some people 
have cute pajamas that they wear every night. I find that really special. I'm like, that's what I need to do now. I need to remember, I don't know who I'm going to meet in my dreams, so I need to get pajamas. <laughs> it's funny. I definitely remember that quote, but like, I didn't really wear cute pajamas all the time. Like, I feel like I liked the quote because I thought it was cute. And then I don't yeah. know that I really followed it. Oh. I love a pajama set now as an adult. Like, we have someone just- to see it. That's true. But I just, I feel like all my friends just got into pajamas in the last few years. And so it's like the new thing. Oh, well, so Navy Actually, has so great pajamas, I have to say. At Becca's um, bachelorette party, we like gave her pajamas and it was like, ooh, lingerie. And everyone's like, we're actually just getting her pajamas. And they were all like name dropping those pajama brands. And I was like, what do you mean pajama brands? <laughs> How are their brands of pajamas? <laughs> Lake pajamas for sure. Was Lake one. pajamas. That was a Christmas present from our from our um our owner of our our fitness studio, and I was like, wow, we are we're really leveling up. All these good girls out here with their matching they're, pajama sets from back in the day. They're pretty great. Although sometimes I'll have a sale and I'll look at it and I'm like, this is still too much to pay for pajamas. But um, Old Navy has like a really good dupe for Lake pajamas, and they're really comfy and they're very cute so amazing Becca you hit on you hit on one though that I think like might epitomize it a little bit more like having some sort of like quote journal because I feel like that was the quote that I like really uh leaned into and I I would probably bet that most people like our age back in the day when like the status of Facebook status or AOL instant messenger status like, was a thing that people had like their quote that they're like, this is my life. Mm-hmm. My senior quote, I was pretty obsessed with. It was, um, of course, it's happening in your inside your head, Harry, but why on earth should that mean it's not real? And <laughs> I loved that quote. Like I would like, you know, practice that like specific curly handwriting that we used to do in like middle school and just write that quote all over things. And then it was my senior quote. And I'm like, I don't know how well the Harry Potter quote aged, but it's fine. It's better than some people's. <laughs> we didn't have Definitely better quotes. than you never know who you're going to meet in your dreams. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, We never know who you're going to meet in your dreams is so like Owl City core. <laughs> <laughs> you could not believe your eyes if 10 million fireflies which I yes. feel like I remember listening to that song and be like I like indie music yeah this oh is, I thought that this is an independent really artist cool. yeah <laughs> yes it felt sure. so cool which um, kind of leads me into maybe like a third honorable mention um I feel like but I feel like this could be a group effort if you were to make like a good girl's burnt cd like, what would you put on that? Because I have a solid couple that I'm like, absolutely, it would have to be on that CD. Okay, Um, no shame, shameless plug. We actually have a playlist that is the Girl Girls Gone Sad live show pre-show pod- like playlist. And my sister and her girlfriend are just like listening to it on repeat. I've been listening to it. It's got like Hillary <laughs> Duff Come Clean. It's got um, Say a Little Prayer for You Glee version. It's got... um. Does it have the vitamin C graduation song? It doesn't because I think if I heard that, like cry. right before a show would be a little weird, but I will add it. Yeah, we had, that was a, when we first launched the Good Girl Glossary, we were like trying to explain it to people. And then like, we had this guy that we're friends with on the podcast and he just goes, oh, easy, the vitamin C graduation song. And we were like, <laughs> in like no context. He was just like, that song needs to go in the Good Girl Glossary. And we were like, 
yeah no it does it needs yeah no. it does <laughs> it's the perfect song but also like anything can go in the good girl glossary I might have some I'm curious if these songs made the cut and if oh, not yeah. would you be willing to add them to your playlist yes Definitely. let me pull it up okay so no. I'm yours by Jason Mraz great great one. <laughs> fantastic no song. it's not in here but it needs to be added okay <laughs> that's really do. good <laughs> uh a thousand miles mm. yes okay excellent um everywhere by michelle branch yep well because yes it's it's on there for multiple reasons we've like talked specifically at length about that song oh okay um, i have to go back and lo- listen to it mostly because um, it feels very much like a church song but it's not mm-hmm. like you're everywhere to me like if i did not know that that, that was not like a praise and worship song i would that's a good I point think it was i never I heard think it, it was that, from that context but i'll have to go back and listen um like yeah, taylor swift's electric touch from the speak now vault <laughs> is very <laughs> much a that's a church song as well it's praise and worship co- co- coded shout out t swift yes. speaking of you belong with me did that make the cut yes okay well mm-hmm. mr perfectly fine is a- there's a lot of taylor swift on this playlist so well, <laughs> you sure. belong with me really needs to be on it now with the taylor swift dating a football player or not really dating i don't believe they're yes. actually dating but you don't Ooh, you no, don't. she doesn't okay my theory is that like I, I feel like they probably met like maybe yesterday. Like I don't yeah. think they're <laughs> dating. I think this was just kind of like a fun PR moment for them, and like maybe they'll hit it off. My sister says that her theory is that um, honestly, I mentioned my sister on every single episode. Um, I we did sister jar. Yeah. Well, she says that Taylor, if she's really serious about somebody, doesn't like flaunt them like this like Mm. maybe this is like a tom hiddleston situation where it's like a brief fling but if she actually really likes somebody then it's like a huge secret for years like joe allen i'll buy into that theory but i was actually gonna say sid i was gonna ask if unwritten is on the playlist because i feel like that's a good girl song i see i see that it is yeah yes And then my last one, which I I especially love, Sid, and I'm hopeful that it's on there, knowing that now that you're into musical theater and you were a huge musical theater kid, um, Define Gravity. I think it is. Oh, okay. You want to go ahead and add it? it. Yeah. Um, We have said that Wicked is the ultimate good girl musical. And if we could get any sponsorship, well, if we could get any sponsorship, we'll take it. But if we could get any sponsorship, we would like to be sponsored by the musical Wicked. And it's not a crazy ask. They do sponsor podcasts. Oh, I believe it. I think, yeah, I think this is a great one to do. And Elphaba is just such a good girl gone sad. Like, you might think she's gone bad, but no, she's just so sad. And that is beautiful. I also, so I love musical theater so much. I was never a musical theater kid. I, I can't sing, but um. I have nerded out hard over a lot of musical theater. And I feel that one of my biggest accomplishments in this past year, given everything that we've talked about, is that I got to see Leah Michelle and Funny Girl and Taylor Swift in, on her tour in the same year. Wow, I'm jealous of both. That is a good girl. Like my milestones. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think we have to add some of these to the glossary. So we oh, do yeah. it in like an official way. And okay. we, we put it in the glossary by saying it all together which mm-hmm. so I'll count is always a over fun zoom mess is always over zoom. really fun yeah, yeah. 
Um, one, two, three. Always, Always wear cute pajamas, pajamas because you, you never, 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 never seriously your dreams. And then we always say we're going to sync it in post and we never have once. So no. Well, we don't get separate audio tracks. So that's true. I've we still don't. never figured out how to do that. Maybe someday. Oh, and then and then I go bum ba da ba. And that's the trumpet noise. It used to start of very burp, 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 but it's really turned into me doing arias. <laughs> ba, ba, da, da. Um, okay and the second one was journaling oh summer goals the summer goals Summer. okay goals, I just which... want to say I feel like I never really set summer goals I like shut down during the summer <laughs> like Good I for would you. I would go to camp and like other people would be like achieving and like you could like earn all these ranks and I was like no I do this all year long I'm good and I just like (laughs) it's funny because I feel like people who know me from camp probably have no idea what my real personality is because I was just like so I was like a slacker at camp but I just I think I burned out every year quick story of how this even came up in I feel like in like middle school and high school this I would do this because there was a time I'm a little bit of a hypochondriac there was a time when like we were done for the summer for our dance and uh I was afraid that I was having like heart palpitations and um like about to have a heart attack which like as a middle schooler high schooler unlikely highly unlikely right but my sweet mother took me to the doctor and I did a stress test and he was like I don't think you're having like any serious issue it sounds like based off of what you're telling me your life is like throughout the year you just have an excess amount of adrenaline and nowhere to put it so maybe I know right and like my mom was like maybe she's really anxious which like yes I was but she was like they both uh agreed that maybe it would be good if I just like created some like summer goals or like had had something to work towards because of how busy we were and like over the summertime it was like nothing and so I think it helped it helped and hurt at the same time I think also media was like if you don't come back to school a changed person you wasted your summer like that was such a trope so I always felt the same way I was like I'm gonna learn how to sew and I'm gonna sew an entire ball gown this summer I'm gonna join 4-H I'm gonna do all these things and then I was like I hate these things I signed up for I don't want to do it 4-H rest in peace I gave it a go yeah (laughs) it's very Indiana of me to I guess we've never talked about my stint in 4-H Becca we really another episode I know another episode um but okay so summer goals summer Summer goals goals. Perfect. And then um, I think a mixed CD. Yeah. A burnt CD. Just in general. Yeah. A burnt CD. Burnt CD. A burnt, a burnt CD. 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 Perfect. That, those were amazing glossary entries. I love it. Thanks. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i really excited to listen to this playlist now. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's, there are going to be so many bops that I haven't heard maybe in years, but bringing back the memories. It's so good. I hadn't really looked at it before our show and said made it and was like she sent it to me and I just hadn't really looked at it and then when we were like getting ready it was like a song from the Hannah Montana movie would come on (laughs) and like a Lizzie McGuire movie song and I was like oh this is great I love this playlist do you all have like do you experience an adrenaline crash when you're done with the performance yes well it's funny that you were talking about the heart thing because last week I had like very strong chest tightness and I was like 
I know I'm not having a heart attack, but the way my brain works is like, but maybe you are like, yeah. you never know. And it was like all week long. I was just like, my chest was so tight and it was really freaking me out. And then like after the show, it didn't go away immediately, but it kind of like slowly subsided. And I just think it was like the preparation and like, go, go, go leading up to it. Never, yeah. probably never like sleeping well and all that. Yep. Yep. That'll do it for sure. Um, I was going to suggest after, after shows, like during the adrenaline crash, maybe you should, if you don't already, you might already, because you're both geniuses, um, have a sad girl playlist. That's a good idea. It's funny too. I used to have every year after the nutcracker and then in college after exams, I would like, I would get sick, like without pain. And I think that was the same thing. Like after my wedding, I got sick. Like, I just feel like that is how my body works where I like, I, I run well on adrenaline. Like I, I do well under pressure and then my body falls apart after. Yeah. Yeah. Which there are like evolutionary reasons behind that. I have a whole workshop with mental health emotion around like the, um, the physiological response of stress and how it like affects the body and um yeah all of that and how to That's combat so cool. um okay the last thing that we do is we wrote a silly little game just for you what's the name of the game so this game is called at the boule <laughs> it's a uh, ballet slash halloween collab game um they t- they're collaborating yes. halloween and ballet halloween are collaborating i love yeah. it so basically the premise here is that like we were trained in classical ballet and we often learned and performed variations and other pieces from ballets without a ton of context to the actual story um i never <laughs> I personally never felt like I knew what we were doing at all. And even if like Galena tried to tell us the storyline, I still didn't know while we were doing it. So in honor of spooky season, we're going to tell you a spooky, scary storyline of a ballet and you will tell us if it's real or fake. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited. Awesome. So well, you I kind of hope the they're all one? real. And if they're not, I'm going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all, um, okay. I will say the ones that are fake are like, inspired by the real story so they're not crazy okay. fake and they're I all ballets you've fake. probably heard of they're like famous ballets yes okay yeah okay um so first is giselle giselle dies of a broken heart and comes back as a ghost in act two to haunt her ex-lover and attempt to dance with him to death is this true or false that is false that is true. No! Fun fact. The ghost women are called Wills. Willis? Yes. Willies. I think it's Willies. 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 Which, Willies. Oh, oh, Willies, which some historians believe to be the origin of the phrase, given me the Willies. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I have actually been in Giselle um, once here. The uh, the dance company that I own and also the modern comp- dance company that I'm in, we are supported by the Roanoke Ballet Theater and they have done Giselle several times. But I, um, so I, the first time that I lived here that they did it or they did it while I lived here, um, I was in act one. And so I knew act one very well. And 
I wasn't really sure what act two was about. So <laughs> didn't know well, that she actually like died and came back and tried to get to him to dance. I just remember her having this like wild moment on stage where she like lets her hair out and like heaven forbid a ballet dancer is not in a perfect bun so I was like this is extreme <laughs> yeah so the willies are <laughs> I'm sure that's not <laughs> that so dumb but the willies are like women who were scorned by their lovers who come back to haunt them and get the, like they dance them to death which you'll see as a theme in ballets is <laughs> dancing someone to <laughs> wow. death wow well, I'm so glad that I can get educated on what Act 2 is about because I always wondered. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Love it. Okay, number two, Capalia, a weird one. Um, a guy falls in love with a doll who comes to life by dark magic and then tricks him into marrying her. True or false? That one is true. Okay, it's false, but what? this was a tricky one. So he does become infatuated with the doll. I always yes. thought that he like fell in love with the doll, but he yeah. becomes infatuated with the doll but he's engaged to a human woman and she plays a trick on the doll maker and pretends to be the doll brought to life. So like the variation <gasps> that is the doll is actually, I think her name's Swanhilda and mm -hmm. she's pretending to be the doll. But then a bunch of dolls do come to life and then he marries the human fiance. <laughs> what? Okay, what's <laughs> funny about this is I feel like, so we did excerpts of this, didn't we, Becca? Yes. We did not do the whole thing. I was like, no. there's no way we put that on stage with high schoolers. <laughs> I just like specifically remember the like waving to the, like, I think I did that at like a dance intensive that I did. Like, cause I remember like walking over to the corner and you would like wave and then like the doll would never respond because it was a doll. And I just remember the person trying to like explain the storyline to us and we just had no idea no. what was going on. That's really complex for, yeah, for only doing like part of the ballet too, not even mm -hmm. all of it. Yeah. yeah. Weird show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sleeping Beauty. An evil warlock who is sort of an owl comes to Aurora's birthday party and puts a curse on her that causes her to sleep for 100 years starting on her 16th birthday. So I feel like if this is false, it's the owl part. I just actually saw Sleeping Beauty in New York and we performed Sleeping Beauty. I'm going to say that it's Go with your gut. True with the with the Go with name. your other gut. With the <laughs> it is true with a but. There is elements of truth in there, but there's a whole element of this owl thing that is sus. <laughs> yeah, so the owl is from Swan Lake. Okay. Um, and Sleeping Beauty is cursed by a whale, a witch. Right. And the okay. witch puts a curse on her that she'll die on her 16th birthday, but then the lilac fairy steps in and makes it so she's just asleep for 100 years. Easy Which, trade. Let cool. me tell you something. I was Aurora when we did Sleeping Beauty. I did not know that was the story. <laughs> I didn't know that the lilac fairy like steps in and like changes the severity of the thing. I didn't know that everyone fell asleep for 100 years. Like, all I know is that there's a wedding. Then the wedding is a whole act in Sleeping Yes. Mm -hmm. I do remember that part too. And all of the different fairies who had very hard and complex variations of which one of them I had to do when I was in high school. Um, and when I went to go see it in New York this past spring, I was so pleasantly surprised and tickled that it's like the same exact choreography. And I was like, Wait, which one were you? I was, I was just trying to think. Were you the cat? No. No, 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 no. Um, I was the the fairy that had a lot of pointing. Oh, the, oh. Da, 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 do you remember? Yeah, and, and had to do potashas on point. Like, yeah. You don't Wait, I don't think I've seen this one. 
You like beret and the diamond. You just like keep pointing up and yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah, like I know which one you're talking about. The yeah. the variations were all so hard. I think that's why I got to be Aurora because they were like, she can't do any of that. She needs well, to sleep. <laughs> the variations were she wild. Needs to sleep. <laughs> I do. I have this really iconic picture. I should actually post it. Mm. It's like four ECU guys holding me up and me just like asleep with my eyes closed. And it's just like such an iconic photo. <laughs> I'm just like that is laying down to share the class. carried by four men. <laughs> And it is a bizarre ballet because, and the reason why I hesitate on the owl thing, I was like, that doesn't sound right. But what also doesn't sound right, but it's true, is that they have like a whole bluebird variation in it. Like who mm-hmm. is this bluebird person? <laughs> and then they also have puss in boots. Why? And that's <laughs> what I was thinking when I said the cat. So because okay. there's the like birth, there's, there's a birth party or like, coronation or whatever it is in the beginning and then they have her 16th birthday party and then there's the wedding but like there's really like nothing in between it's just kind of like here are three large events in this girl's life so weird with random characters that you would never expect yeah yeah um but yeah the owl thing is swan lake rothbart apparently is like an owl warlock that didn't that wasn't really explained in anything I was looking at it was just like an owl like warlock wild (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay cool number four the rite of spring which I've actually never seen this one um a woman dances herself to death as part of a pagan sacrifice oh my gosh I don't even know what that is so I'm just gonna take a 50 50 chance and say that that's true it's true. You're correct. Wow. <laughs> the thing about the Rite of Spring is that if you heard the music, you would absolutely recognize it. Okay. Um, it's like a very famous piece of music that I am sure, sure you've danced to. Yeah. Um, well, congrats. You got that one right. Um, <laughs> Becca, how do you pronounce this? Uh, Les Sophied. Okay. Les A young man falls in love with an enchanted spirit called a sylph. Right when he's about to marry his human fiance, I love all the human fiancés. <laughs> it's very really human fiance. The sylph puts his wedding ring on her own finger and lures him into the forest, where he in- encounters witches and other spooky creatures. Would you like me to repeat that? <laughs> no, I'm gonna take a stab at this one too. Um, so this is another one of those funny ones that like we did in high school, but the actual story was probably too dark and the ballet was too long to actually do all of it. So I have like snippets in my head of the pieces that we did, but I don't think I ever knew what the whole story was. I definitely so, didn't. When I read that it was like a spooky one, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to take a stab at it and just say true. Cause it sounds like yes. something that we wouldn't put on high schoolers. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> That's great. Okay. And then this is the last one. Swan Lake, a classic. Um, The Dance of the Little Swans, also known as Four Swans, is danced by the ghosts of swans who have been killed and they're haunting any hunters who come near their lake. If that's true, I will be, my mind will be blown. I'm going to say false. You're right. There doesn't seem to be any meaning behind it. Okay. (laughs) It's like the whole swan scene is just like swans exist. Yeah. It could be true though. It could it be. I wish it was Well, because this did she turn into a swan? What's the rest of the story? Did she turn into a swan? Yes. So she's already so, like, all a swan? of them could be people who they turned are. into swans. Yeah. So they are 
I think, well, I don't know if all of them, but a good chunk of them are human women. Some of them are also just real swans. Like, who are these guys? Yeah, they they were cursed by the owl like warlock Rothbart. And so they're swans Mm. now. And but then they turn into women at night. So that's how she's able to like tell the prince, don't kill me. I'm a person and I'm Mm. really pretty. And if he falls in love with her, then the curse is lifted. But then he falls in love with Odile, who's pretending to be her. And then at the end, they tragically jump off a cliff. Of course. All three or who? Well, it depends on the version. But um, yeah, uh, not all three. I think just the guy and Odette. Wild. Odile's the black swan, if that's right. Yeah. Played yeah. by the same person. Yes. Yes. Depending on who does it. (laughs) Right. Yes. Another uh, wild story that I always just found fascinating was um, Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of, have you heard of that one or seen that one? They've also done like movie renditions of it too. Yeah. I feel like like, the Shakespearean version. I don't know. I was going to say, I think I read the play in high school, but I think that's all I know. It's probably, it's probably similar and um, it's so convoluted that I don't even know if I'm going to get all of it exactly correct. So definitely like look it up and fact check me later. But the part that I remember is like, there's this little woodland, I don't know, person mm-hmm. <laughs> that just kind of like jumps around on stage and is a little bit of a menace. And there That's are puff. two couples. Yeah. Yes. There are two couples that are like supposed to, I don't know, fall in love or something, but he makes it so that the opposite person like falls in love. And there's, yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's a sex scene, but I feel like there may have been. Oh, there might be with bottom. There might be like a human donkey sex scene. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Wild. I was actually... Michael and I have been watching I know the suits. whole story, not just the part about the donkey sex. I want to make it very clear. <laughs> no, you can talk. You do everything. So no yeah. I feel like I saw a movie recently where they did Midsummer Night's Dream. It's like, I don't know. But Michael and I have been watching Suits, and the new lawyer that they just hired is the girl from Center Stage. And um, Jody, I think, is her name in Center Stage. Yeah. And um, I was just, I was thinking, I need to make wa- Michael watch Center Stage. I don't think he's ever seen it. I wanted red point shoes so badly. I mean, we all did, right? We oh, all yes. yeah, we all did. Absolutely. The red shoes, also about death, right? The red shoes, yes. Oh, yeah. It all ballets at their core are about death, <laughs> or or like death and then love, or love and then death. That's basically how it goes. That's why they like the Nutcracker. Like- They're like, I don't know which is some candy. I was trying to come up with like a fake thing on the Nutcracker in the Nutcracker, but then I was just like, there's really nothing. Like, it's so weird already that I can't like spin it to be any weirder than it already is. Okay. So, what's your take on this? Was it a dream? Oh, I, mm. I mean, I guess I think it's a dream, but I, that's lame. (laughs) I, but also, yeah. It's weird that she falls in love with like an adult man. So I have a lot of <laughs> thoughts about it. I like, is, yeah. I like how the Nutcracker and How I Beat Shaq have the same storyline. <laughs> <laughs> no idea if it was a dream or he, if you really beat Shaq. <laughs> well, because he wakes up and he's wearing Shaq's jersey, remember? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. If you don't remember, so- you should really go, should I put How I Beat Shaq on the Good Girls Gone Sad live show playlist? Yes, you definitely yes. should. 
I put it in the hoop like slam, so slam. Hear the crowd screaming out, jam. And Wait, Lisa, do you think it was a dream? Facts. And that's how I beat Jack. Shaq. No. Jack. Magic. I I had to believe in the magic. I know. I like the magic. <gasps> Were you? Um, One of our other former guests has done the little bell <laughs> from Polar Express, like believing in it. I don't <laughs> know. a good girl so, glossary entry. <laughs> I, I mean, I love that. And I can, I can relate to that in a different sense so I loved um Peter Pan as a kid mm-hmm. and the whole like I do believe in fairies thing we like clap for them I don't know if you remember the it was like the lot. oh yeah it was out. actually like extremely traumatic for me I was oh. like <laughs> like in hook it's like really traumatic it's the same <gasps> thing in hook right oh yes. yeah hook is like scary though but I the live action one I think that boy was like my first crush <laughs> he was so cute the one from like the early 2000s because there's yeah. an older one okay yeah yeah he had like shaggy blonde hair yep mm-hmm. I remember that one yep I don't think that movie was good but I didn't know because I was like eight so That's there okay. are people who publicly like there are many people publicly on the internet who were like that was my first crush I forget yeah. his name yeah I don't think but. I I don't know that he was like in anything else or um or the guy who played the kid <laughs> the kid who played Freddie and school of rock mm. Do you remember School of Rock? Wait, Freddie Freddy is, is the one that plays guitar? The classical drums. guitar? Drums. Or maybe it's a different name. Maybe it's not maybe it's uh, Kevin. The one who plays the drums, that's the arsonist? <laughs> sure. <laughs> he's like, no, 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 he's like I like they... fire. No, yeah. No. He's an arsonist. He was a bad boy. In School of Rock? Mm-hmm. Okay, I believe it. He had the spiky blonde hair. The, like, oh yeah I see the the drummer he went to high school with my freshman year roommate and she was <sighs> like I would always go to he worked at Jamba Juice in Schaumburg <gasps> Illinois wait have I told you Sid the story of when I was on the subway and I heard this guy talking and this was like when maybe when I was an intern and I hear this guy talking and he's like he says somebody says something like well you're famous and he says I am not famous I'm like a Kayla celebrity are you kidding me like nobody knows who I am and if they do they're like you're that guy from that thing and I just look at him and I go he's the guy from School of Rock the one that says you're tacky and I hate you and I was (gasps) like I know this is him and then I looked it up and it was him he went to NYU and I was like that was the best celebrity spotting I've ever had because he's like self-admitted not a celebrity. He was actively saying, he's like, I'm not a celebrity, please. Yes. <laughs> well, and it was one of those things where I was like, that guy kind of like looks familiar. But then once he said that, I was like, School of Rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know who you are. That's such an iconic line. How could you ever forget that? <laughs> I know. I know. There it's was so a good. point in my life that I could quote School of Rock in its entirety front to back. And I mm. almost could also quote the director's commentary oh gosh. because I have the DVD and I yeah I would watch just the director's commentary like over and over again so I would just listen to Mike White talk like until I fell asleep amazing mm-hmm. I wow. think we would have been really good friends in high school <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we would have um well the last segment congrats you ba- you passed the game gold yeah. star 100 we have is we like to say we pass the offertory plate, which is just a chance for you to plug yourself. So is there anything you would like to take a chance to plug? Uh, well, I've, I've spoken quite a bit about, um, about mental health and motion, but you know, if anyone is interested in, uh, in what we do, we do offer some virtual options with 
workshops and Becca and I were just chatting about potentially offering some, um, some virtual dance workshops, but just follow along. We've got some really cool things going on. Um, but I'm going to take, I'm going to take a moment to also plug, like, if you are feeling like you need to talk to someone, it is okay and normal to go to therapy. That's a great plug. Yeah. Big therapy girls on this podcast. We love it. Yeah. We need a therapy jar when we talk about therapy and then we donate the money to we have so many jars we've got like 100 jars going right now but i feel like we, we need do a therapy jar that goes yeah um back to the trevor project again probably yeah but that'd yeah. be great love that um where can they follow mental health in motion mm-hmm. so we're pretty active on instagram um we're at mental health in motion dance co we have a few things going on on facebook if you ever want to check out what events we have um and that's m-h-i-m dance co and then shout out our assistant artistic director, Keegan. She just got us onto TikTok as well. And, uh, you know, I might be a millennial who doesn't really partake on TikTok much. So I honestly can't even tell you what our handle is. On there. I think it uh, might be. <laughs> yeah, I think if, well, we follow you, I think. So oh, they perfect. can look at our followers. But I think Great. it's Mental Health and Motion Co. Because I think I noticed when I saw it but Great. we'll confirm and we'll 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 put it in the intro when we do it okay yeah follow yeah. us go to therapy <laughs> love that follow us and go to therapy love that um well becca there's only one thing left to say jesus wouldn't call people whores on the call internet people whores on the internet <laughs> that's our uh that's our motto we want everybody to remember that jesus would be nice to people on the internet and in person Maps. yes yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was so lovely to see you and unpack all of this with you. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me, Becca Stevenson, at TheBeccaStevenson on Instagram and at TheReal underscore Becca on TikTok and Twitter. You can find me, Sid King, at Sid period the period King on Instagram. And you can find us, The Good Girls Gone Sad, at Good Girls Gone Sad on Instagram and TikTok. You can also email us at goodgirlsgonesad at gmail.com. If you would like to submit a glossary submission, you can DM it to us on Instagram or send it through by email. Also, if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we will mail you a sticker and a matchbook. If you DM it to us on Instagram, just have to give us your address. Five-star reviews only, please. Also, don't forget, if you want to drink your morning coffee out of a mug that says Jesus wouldn't call people whores on the internet, you can do that with our merch, which you can find via our link tree. We would also like to thank Emery Bergman for our amazing logo and Luke Lima for our amazing intro and outro music. All right, there's only one thing left to say. Jesus Jesus wouldn't call people whores on the internet. internet. And neither should you. (laughs) Bye. Bye.